You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show. This is episode 377. This week, Juneteenth. What it is, what it was, and what it shall be. Also, from New Jersey Second Amendment Society, Save the Republic. All this and a little bit extra. Coming up next. Blackmanwithagun.com. Ken Blanchard's Pro Gun Podcast. All right. Welcome back. If this is your first time, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show. This is the Pro Gun Show for the mature audience, for the, the grown and sexy crew, for those who have been around a little bit and uh, know the difference between fluff and stuff. After John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to talk about today, June 19th. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, we're getting down to close to the end of the month, my favorite month of the year, June. Next week, I'll be 52 years old or 52 years young, middle-aged, whatever you want to call it. But the old boy is glad he's still kicking. So why does he play John Wayne's Pledge of Allegiance all the time? Because we don't hear it enough. Because a lot of us have forgotten. You have it, but those around you have. And even though I use the name black and the color black on this thing, this show is red, white, and blue. This show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com and uh, just want to make sure you knew that. I would have freed more if they knew they were slaves. Harriet Tubman. At the time of this recording, it's June 19, 2014, also known to a few as Juneteenth Day. It commemorates the emancipation of Americans of African descent throughout the country. But unfortunately, you won't see it celebrated too much because folks don't know. All of us are people in search of a racial identity. I ask you a question. What is black? We got a lot of self-hatred. And I say that's for somebody who's seen it. And we project our hatred on other people. When asked, many of my black brothers and sisters will take a while before they call themselves American when you give them the choice of what do you call yourself. Negative stereotypes have influenced us. The younger people would rather be called a felon than a fellow. And we've embraced and made love to victimology. American slavery took a chunk out of us that isn't quite healed yet, hasn't grown back in as a whole. But today is the day we should be celebrating freedom. So what is Juneteenth? The word is a combo of the words June and 19th. Juneteenth marks the abolition of slavery in the state of Texas on 19 June 1865. During the American Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, then the president, issued the Emancipation Proclamation on 22 September 1862 to be introduced at the beginning of January 1863 and Americans of African ancestry 
celebrate watch night service at churches on New Year's Eve because of this, even though most don't remember. It proclaimed the freedom of slaves in the 10 states still in rebellion, freeing about 3 million of the 4 million slaves in captivity at the time. Texas, even after military hostilities had ended, didn't comply. Major General Gordon Granger, born in Joy, Wayne County, New York in 1821, landed in Galveston, Texas, with news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. Note that this was two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. The proclamation had little impact on the Texans due to the minimal number of Union troops to enforce the new executive order. However, with the surrender of General Lee in April of 1865 and the arrival of General Granger's regiment, the forces were finally strong enough to influence and overcome the resistance. Later attempts to explain this two-and-a-half-day-or-year delay in the receipt of this important news have yielded a whole bunch of different versions that have been handed down through the time. Uh, one story is that a messenger was murdered on his way to Texas with the news of freedom. Another is that the news was deliberately withheld by the enslavers to maintain the labor force on the plantations. And then there's another one that federal troops actually waited for the slave owners to reap the benefits of one last cotton harvest before going to Texas to enforce the Emancipation Proclamation. All of which or none of these could be true, but for certain, President Lincoln's authority over the rebellious states was in question. For whatsoever reason, conditions in Texas remain status quo well beyond what was statutory. One of General Granger's, General Granger's first orders of business was to read to the people of Texas General Order Number 3, which began, The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and free laborer. And the reactions to this news range from pure shock to immediate jubilation, as you can imagine. Some stayed, but a lot of folks went north, getting the heck off of the plantations for the first time in their lives. North was a logical destination because it represented true freedom, while the desire to reach family members in neighboring states drove some to Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. So the celebration of the 19th of June was coined Juneteenth, and it grew more and more popular as the descendants spread across the country, but it's still bigger in Texas than anywhere else. January 1st, 1980, Juneteenth became an official state holiday through the efforts of Al Edwards, a state legislator. And the successful passage of this bill marked Juneteenth as the first emancipation celebration granted official state recognition. Edwards has since actively sought to spread the observance of Juneteenth across America. James A. Baldwin said, People are trapped in history and history is trapped in them. Now, earlier I said slavery took a chunk out of us because some of us can't get past slavery. We don't know that slavery began in Africa and existed throughout the continent for many centuries and continues in the current day. It was fluent in the Roman Empire. It was fluent in the Arab culture. Systems of servitude and slavery were common all over the place in the ancient world. But in Africa, this slavery was a little bit different. They weren't treated like cattle. 
they were given certain rights in a kind of a system close to indentured servitude elsewhere in the world. But there is still slavery today in Bangladesh and Chad and China and the Congo and Ethiopia and Europe and Haiti in India, in Mali, in Mauritania, in Niger, in North Korea, in Pakistan, in Russia, in Sudan, and you find it here in the U.S. of A. It's not the picking cotton and the singing spirituals. It's the form of child labor, forced marriage, bride buying, wife selling, forced prostitution, and all-around human trafficking. I am a descendant of the Atlantic slave trade. And it's all about money, power, and greed. Little known fact, the native people of this land before were first utilized as slaves by the Europeans, but they died from overwork and the disease that came from the mixing of the two cultures. Alternative sources of labor, such as indentured servitude, didn't work here either. Didn't have enough people for all the crops because land was cheap. And folks got greedy and they wanted to make profits. So the answer to that shortage of labor were my people. Sold sometimes by the African chiefs because they lost in battle. Sold because it was profitable. Sold because they were criminals. Sold for a number of reasons. Not knowing that they could never return. When this was done in other times, say in other tribes, other nations, other parts of the continent, folks can make their way back home. But across the big pond, you were done. And this slavery was not like the same slavery either. This was barbarous. This was, this was horrendous. There was large amounts of cheap labor um, available and lots of landowners searching for workers. Free European immigrants were able to become landowners themselves in a relatively short time and increase the need for our workers. So slavery in the U.S. of A. Was, was started. The colonies started it. That's Juneteenth. In 1993, the 10th Cavalry Gun Club, a club that I started, hosted its first Juneteenth celebration. And then the group in New Jersey for our first chapter of the 10th Cavalry Gun Club created an even better celebration of Juneteenth and the NRA called it Minority Day at the Range and something just like it morphed into what is now known as NRA's First Steps and NSSF First Shots. George Washington Carver said, when you do the common things in life in an uncommon way, you will command the attention of the world. All right, I want to talk to you about starting a gun club, which is pretty easy. It's maintaining it that's a challenge. For the most part, gun people are social. And when I started the 10th Cavalry Gun Club in 1992, I didn't know anything about people. Since then, I think I've gained a street PhD in sociology and anthropology. Facebook is really good at getting people of like minds together, and that was always harder to do in the past. But now the Internet has linked us together for better or for worse. If you want to start a gun club, your first task is to identify the club's purpose. The objectives have to be specific or you will go off track as people and personalities increase. Believe me on that one. 
Secondly, you have to determine the club structure. Then define your membership. And here's where it gets interesting. You will find out all your social issues, prejudices, and quirks when you have to define your avatar or that person, the perfect person that got targeted, the person that you're looking to get in your club, male, woman, boy or girl, or other. Before now, you have been a closet racist, probably a homophobe or a misogynist or whatever. But when you build it, they, put up your air quotes, will come. And then that's when your stuff's going to be revealed. If you're raggedy, everybody's going to find out. I wanted to start a club to foster the participation of Americans of African ancestry. Sounds fair, right? But what do you do when a Polish, an Irish, a German, Italian, a Portuguese brother wants to join an all-black club? And if one of these ethnic groups flipped the script and said they wanted to do it, everybody in the bishop would call them a racist or a separatist. It's a weird thing. Some people of color won't join an all-black group because it's exclusive, and then some will. We can't even agree on that one. And then there are the, always the extremes in every group. You know, the guy that's the super soldier. King Ninja. Mm-hmm. The bravest person in the foxhole. The person that will fight you within the group because you're too soft, too inviting, too open, too something. The revolution will not be televised. On a larger scale, we have that in every group, sending out scathing tweets and militant posts on Facebook that usually miss the mark about 90% of the time because they just got to a place you've already been. Makes you want to holler and throw up both your hands. Starting a gun club is easy. It's a good thing to do. Just try to make it as inclusive and correct as you can. Whatever your goals, make sure you state them out front so people can understand. I've gone through the whole gamut. I've grown from it after I healed. I've learned from it. Just trying to share. And if you want more details on how to do it, feel free to call me or email me. Someday, we will all be free. Being an armed citizen means having a gun with you all the time. Carrying a firearm every day requires a holster that is both concealable and comfortable. Whether you choose our Super Tuck Deluxe or Mini Tuck, you'll have the confidence that comes from being discreetly and comfortably armed, prepared to face unforeseen dangers. Crossbreed holsters are handmade in the USA, come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. Order your holster today at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Saving the Republic from Frank J. Fiamingo, up in New Jersey, just in. He says, I'm writing this article because I want to encourage others to help to save the Republic. Age, gender, race, religion, creed, etc. are of no consequence. The only requirements are the desire to live in a nation governed by the rule of law rather than the whim of any particular administration a respect for individual liberty and responsibility and a willingness to participate as an essential partner with honor and courage. You don't have to join a group in order to make a contribution unless you want to. You just need to act responsibly. Because there exists both good and evil men in the world, there will always be those who will attempt to control others in order to gain some undeserved benefit at the expense of others. These men are usually referred to as criminals or politicians. 
their crime ultimately involves either the threat of or the actual use of physical force. In some cases, it may involve the use of fraud, which is simply another word for mental force or deceit. In part, governments are created to defend against and discourage this kind of behavior and not to engage in it themselves. But the United States of America, our founders wisely chose to establish a constitutional republic. This cannot be stated strongly enough because too many of our fellow Americans mistakenly believe that we live in a democracy. The difference between these two types of government can also not be stressed strongly enough. Under a true democracy, it is possible for the majority to cast a vote to prevent a minority from being able to exercise their fundamental human rights. However, under a republic form of government, that should not be possible. The reason is simple but profound. A democracy is controlled by the rule of men, while a republic is supposed to be executed by men who are limited by the rule of law. In the United States, the highest and most important law is that of the United States Constitution. The Constitution, along with its amendments, constitutes the basis and organization of our government, as well as its legitimacy. Some of us tend to think of the Constitution as granting us our rights. This, however, is the wrong way to look at our governance. As stated in our founding documents, and as fully recognized by our founders, rights pre-exist the establishment of government. Our rights exist by virtue of our being born human, rather than as beasts of burden or as wild or domesticated animals. Our rights are inalienable because they are a part of our human nature. We are simply unable to live as human if these rights are prohibited. What the Constitution actually does is officially recognize these rights and specify that the government has a duty to protect them and not to infringe upon them. The most important way that citizens can ensure their government does not infringe upon their rights is to participate as fully as possible in the administration of its laws and their application. They can accomplish this task by not only voting, but also by consistently making sure that their elected representatives are actually a. following the Constitution and b. respecting the will of the people. When A does not accompany B, it is the duty of our representatives to give the highest priority to the Constitution. The last statement may sound counterintuitive to some, but as citizens we have the responsibility to learn and understand our Constitution and ensure that it is not breached regardless of any personal benefit that a specific decision may have on us as individuals. However, since if properly governed, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We do retain the ability to revise the Constitution by agreeing on and passing amendments. What happens when the government as a whole fails to follow the rule of law as outlined in our Constitution? The answer to this question brings us to the importance of the Second Amendment. Our forefathers knew from bitter experience with their British rulers exactly what could happen when a government failed to obey the law or to consider the will of the people. The good news is that this road to tyranny can be short-circuited before it gets started simply by the knowledge that the citizens are armed. And that is why, and what was intended by the Amendment too. 
and that is the way it should be in a free nation built upon the ideas of individual liberty and responsibility. No discussion of saving the republic would be complete without a discussion of the right to keep and bear arms. We all understand that these rights do not exist in a vacuum. Like so many of the rights we possess by virtue of being human-born, their existence does not depend upon the whim of any governmental authority. Unfortunately, however, the exercise of these rights may. Understanding the distinction between these two situations is critical to understanding the grave importance of the Second Amendment itself. What does all this have to do with saving the Republic? The first point is that we can never afford to lose the ability to exercise our right to keep and bear arms. You will be told over and over again how well the gun ban is working in such and such a country. This is a myth. In most nations where guns are banned, overall crime rates have increased. If you have been forcibly stripped of your right to defend yourself and your loved ones and you become the victim of a violent crime, do you really care whether or not the perpetrator used a knife or baseball bat instead of a gun? Furthermore, even if the overall crime rate were to be reduced somewhat by a gun ban, highly statistically unlikely, is that worth the loss of protection from tyranny that the right to keep in arms provides? Ironically, this is the right we must retain in order not to have to use it for its intended purposes. The exercise of the right to take up arms against tyranny is the last resort. So, the question becomes, how do we save the Republic without having to resort to the use of arms? The answer lies in the underlying description of the true basis of our government. A government of the people, by the people, for the people. It is not enough to pay taxes and to vote. While those activities are important, they simply are not sufficient. In order for a government designed to respect individual liberty and responsibility to succeed, it is absolutely essential that individuals participate enthusiastically in the workings of their government. For a select few, it may mean actually running for office and winning a seat to help administer the government. However, for most of us, it simply means paying attention between elections and making sure that our opinions and our opinions of our fellow citizens are heard. Always remember that liberty and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. If we want more of one, we must be willing to accept more of the other. Our commitment to the responsibility side of the coin requires that we become educated on the issues. This is where so many of us fail. It isn't simply that some of the issues facing us today are complicated. Often it's just a matter of getting past all the manipulative sound bites and taking the time to go back to review the actual source material so that we can reach our own independent conclusions. This is easier to do today than ever before, but it takes the willingness to expend a little more time and effort than simply listening to Fox News or Glenn Beck. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those activities. In our hearts, we understand that every news source has its own agenda that sometimes makes it difficult to get through the sizzle to get to the substance, but it can be done. Let's face it, we cannot truly make independent decisions if, we all, if all we do is hang around in the echo chamber and listen to the same tired voices over and over again. Now that you've taken time to educate yourself on the issues, if you are a true knight of the Republic, you are obligated to take our newly acquired information and share it with those also who can help save the Republic. Remember, this is a government of the people, not the person. 
It is going to take numbers in order for us to influence the powers that be to follow the law and respect the will of the people. There are a myriad of ways to spread the truth. You can attend meetings and simply talk with other attendees. You can offer to make presentations to any group that might give you a podium. A severely underused method of getting your voice heard by many is the letter to the editor, or better yet, an opinion piece. The main objective of this message is to emphasize the critical importance of participation in the participatory constitutional republic. I hope that I have given you enough reason to look deeper into this process and to understand how incredibly powerful it is. One of the reasons that it is so powerful is that very few people are willing to actually employ this method. And this was from Frank Fiamingo, written like a statesman. Thank you, brother. From New Jersey, Second Amendment Society. Hey, I want to introduce you to a new podcast that I'm starting called Motorcycle Radio. Yeah. Check it out. Coming soon. MotorcycleRadio.us I'm going to share my passion of motorcycles by introducing people and machines and the culture. Never ride alone again. From beginners to seasoned veterans, you can be part of the conversation on riding tips, tricks, storage, safety, equipment, touring, racing, traveling, or just motoring around the city. It's going to be family-friendly, fun, and it will give you some good memories. Even if you don't ride, it's going to make you want to. Motorcycle Radio Podcast. This coming out soon. Check it out. Uh, I'm building up real slow, trying to use all the stuff I've learned in the last couple of years as a podcaster. MotorcycleRadio.us All right, next week I hope to report for you uh, a brand new event for writers that just came out called Make Big Noise. It's a writer's conference for a few days at the G4S International Training Facility down in Shackleford, Virginia, um, put on by G4S and the Laura Burgess Marketing Company, which is a PR firm, uh, event planning, market research, advertising strategies, corporate communications, and that and a bowl of chips. They do a little bit of everything, and they will help your business grow if you are in the firearms industry. LauraBurgess.com for more information. I will give you all the scoop of what happens while I'm down there. And if it just happened to be on Twitter, look for the hashtag of Make Big Noise, and you'll see the writers that have been invited and all that happens down there. There was this guy who absolutely hated his wife's cat. Well, one day he decided to get rid of that doggone cat and he drove him 20 blocks from his home and left him in the park. When he arrived home, the cat was walking up the driveway. Guy just shook his head. The next day, he decided to drive the cat 40 blocks away. He put the beast out and he headed home. Backing up into his driveway, he saw the cat. He kept taking that cat further and further away and the cat would always beat him home. At last, he decided to drive a few miles away, turn right, then left, past the bridge, then right again and up another right until he reached where he thought was a safe distance from his home and left the cat there. Hours later, the man calls his wife. Jen, is the cat there? Yes, she says. Why do you ask? The man just shook his head. Put him on the phone. I'm lost and I need directions. All right, that's a wrap for this week. I want to thank you for joining me and um, see you on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter in two different spots, 
You'll find me at Black Man with Gun and Ken Blanchard with two N's. Big shout out and a thanks to all the Patreon supporters that have donated for last month. I haven't collected any of that money yet. I'm still working that system out. Not sure how it works. But if you want to help keep the brother on the air, check out the donor and supporter page at blackmanwithagun.com. I could use your help. The page was actually down for a few hours today because of finances. But um, got a couple of ends where something might happen with the job-wise, and uh, we'll see what happens in the future. I've been on this grind for a minute, and it's never looked sunnier than it does right now. Until next week, this is your friend and your brother from another mother. Just letting you know, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Shalom, baby. Until next time, friends. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. 